0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: And welcome back, Fantasy Sports Today, hour two with you here on SportsGrid, two hours and every day, right here on SportsGrid and SportsGrid.com. Whether you're watching us, on youtube or any of our streaming platforms thanks for making us a part of your day we cover fantasy football we also cover of course major league baseball all fantasy sports wagering as well also cover thursday night football which of course we have in store for tonight and going into thursday night football a very rare game that looks great on paper i mean a lot of times these (laughs) games do work out well and they're fun to watch but this is the one that if it lives up to the billing could potentially be the best game of the year play on Thursday night. So I don't know about you, Joe. Well, actually I do know about you, Joe, you'll be watching, but I will be watching as well. I am, I will be (laughs) dialed in on a lot of, and the other thing too, is a lot of fantasy implications tonight. Like if you play fantasy football in a league, odds are you either have someone or you're playing against someone (laughs) in tonight's game, I think.
2: Yeah. And as we talked with Benny yesterday, Uh, This is a fun showdown slate to tell you on Fanduel. I mean, if you're, if you're pick any Thursday night games, a standalone that could be fun from an offensive standpoint, this would certainly be it. Uh, And we talked about Kyler Murray being the, uh, you know, your MVP guy, maybe the one and a half X guy that you want in there, just because he controls so much of his own scoring, whether he's throwing the ball for a touchdown, whether he's rushing for a touchdown himself, and right. that's probably the way to go. And sometimes the chalky way to go is the right way to go with these things. It's another thing that we discussed on yesterday's show. But this feels like a playoff game. I don't know about you. And, and certainly it has those kind of implications in this division now as San Francisco's kind of fallen by the wayside. And I think the Rams, as we all know, I have no idea. But it seems like they're in it. Uh, but this is really, it feels like the earliest playoff game we've had so far has been a couple other ones. I felt like a couple weeks ago where the Tennessee Titans and the Steelers were kind of matched up there. That kind of felt at the time as, okay, this feels like almost a playoff game kind of atmosphere. And that game did live up to the hype. Uh, I think the Baltimore-Kansas City game did not live up to the hype. Kansas City came in there yeah. and wipe the floor with them. I'm trying to think of some of the other games that we had that were two big-time teams that were like, okay, this should tell us a lot about both of these teams. But this one, Really, I mean, New Orleans and and Tampa, but I don't know how much to take out of that one because New Orleans just keeps mopping the floor with Tampa and Tampa looks great against everybody else. So that's kind of tricky.
1: Yeah, and I I would think that this game could decide the the division for sure and maybe even potentially decide who's out in the MVP race. I think the loser of this one is out. The winner probably is still in. All right, let's take a look at it. Our headlines for today, Thursday Night Football, Seattle minus three. We'll break this game down coming up in about 15 minutes. The ins and outs and some of the FanDuel options for you after we hear from Dr. David Chow on injuries. Uh, Tulane travels to Tulsa tonight. Tulsa back in the top 25. About a touchdown favorite in this one. Tiger Woods announces he'll play in the PNC Championship in December, ironically, with his son Charlie. That's pretty cool. We'll see that happen. That'll be fun to watch and then a lot of college football news and unfortunately a lot of it is cancellations new mexico state athletics they're moving due to covid they're going to play in tucson and uh, the basketball team and the football team is going to move to las vegas and this morning i saw one of the games that i was particularly interested in because Tua's brother is playing so well at maryland and they were slated as i I couldn't believe it as a six and a half point favorite over michigan state tells you how bad michigan state is they are terrible this year you know, they're, they're just in a complete rebuild i don't know if i don't think they've won a game and they had to postpone that game or they said it's canceled as well i don't even know if they'll make up that game but that is the interesting dynamic it's like when you look at tulsa tulane tonight you see one team play nine games and one team play four games and and hopefully this is just a one-year type thing where we don't have to go through this again because guess some other things joe that are being discussed is uh bowl games too And they want to do like a 30 bowl game schedule if they possibly can. And what's interesting is that like in Michigan, it would be the Michigan bowl. So the best teams in Michigan Uh, in uh, who knows in Arkansas, it would be the Arkansas (laughs) bowl. They pick the two teams from Arkansas. So it feels like they're just doing like a regional bowl system this year where teams don't have to travel outside, of course, of the championship. But that feels like the direction that we're headed. I hadn't even thought about that, but I suppose it is probably the right way to go about it. Is just each state hosts a game, a bowl game, and and they have in the past. But instead of flying cross country and mm. having all the fun with it, and every you know, the kids getting the playstations and everything like that, I don't know if that's in the cards this year. It's just got kind of to show uh, up. And play. No,
2: no PS5s for anybody this year. It's all coal. Well, it, it's it's probably the safest uh, plan of action. I think we could all kind of agree. It's it's the safety of these student athletes first. And again. He were their student athletes these guys are not getting paid so he's really precarious situations you want to put them in how much travel do you want to expose them to and what's going on right now and and it, it it sucks i mean let's be honest there's no better way to talk about this It sucked for all the college kids who've been waiting their whole life to play in a sweet 16 or in a march madness tournament right this past year and that didn't happen. And, and now the bowl games are not going to be typically what the bowl games are, but you know what? At least we're going to get them. So it's, it's very difficult. I understand. I understand the disappointment from the athletes, from the programs. I'm sure in the pocketbooks, <laughs> there's a fair amount of disappointment in terms of how much revenue these colleges are going to be taking in this year. But I think when all is said and done, you have to protect the athletes best interest and in health first and foremost. And, and if that means that you stay regionally to play bowls against other teams you might not normally be playing against then so be it that's what it is and real quick this note of tiger woods playing with his son i'm trying to think you know we've had baseball where you know griffey jr and senior you've had you Mm -hmm. know nascar where you've had you know obviously father-son duos before but has there ever been a father-son duo in golf am i just blanking on this because i can't think of one um jack and gary nicholas I don't know. I, I I guess. I guess. I guess that's you know, It's kind of like I don't think of of like. Well, this was the father golfer and the son golfer who went on to have a, a great career. I, I, think a, a great person. Person. Yeah. I think Gary was pretty good I, too. Oh, I, yeah, Gary was good too.
1: I don't think. I don't know if Gary won a major, but I'm pretty sure that he was a pretty good golfer.
2: Interesting opportunity. Well,
1: anyway, to uh, we got injuries coming up to talk about. Dr. David Chow is going to be with us. A lot of good information in terms of Drew Brees and what his potential injury may look like, how soon he'll be back. And then we'll come back and preview the Thursday night football game. Stay on The Grid. Joe and I will be right back after this.
0: And welcome back to
1: Fantasy Sports today for the latest on injuries in the NFL. There is only one person you need to be following, and that is Dr. David Chow at ProFootballDoc on Twitter, profootballdoc.com, his podcast, and of course, columns on Outkick. Every week, that's the guy you need to follow, especially as you head toward the fantasy football playoffs. Dr. Chow, great to see you again this week. How are you?
3: I'm doing well. How about yourself, Craig?
1: I'm doing well, Dr. Chow. I appreciate it, as always, for coming on the show. There's no question that I think what's on everybody's mind is Drew Brees, the quarterback, future Hall of Fame quarterback for the New Orleans Saints. It's interesting, Dr. Chow. We've been talking all week long. Maybe this is his last season. Was the other day his last game? I mean, all those questions are starting to come about, but I don't think that we're educated enough to know the scope of what his injuries exactly are. So if you wouldn't mind, the floor is yours on Drew Brees.
3: Well, here's what's been reported, right? There were uh, five rib fractures and some sort of collapsed lung. Three rib fractures on the left that were before this week's game, and now two on the right from the game where Contavious Street fell on him, and then some sort of collapsed lung. But he remained on the sidelines, so the collapsed lung couldn't have been that bad or severe, didn't go to the hospital, which is good news. And that collapsed lung might be more of a pulmonary contusion or a lung bruise. So what does all that mean? Typically, rib fractures. You know, uh, I know this year, you know, with Tyrod Taylor, with the rib blocks, it's really not popular. And, And typically, single rib blocks are common, multiple rib blocks, sometimes you wait. But ribs heal quickly without a cast, two weeks, three weeks. It's less sore, certainly by four weeks. And lung contusions... Vary, but small lung collapses can heal in a few weeks as well. So, my timeline on Drew Brees is I would be shocked if this were his last game with the New Orleans Saints. It is, he's not going to return to play in November. I think you can book that. But I do believe he will return to play in December. Is it early? Is it mid? Is it late? I think that's what's to be determined. I think probably he's going to go on injured reserve because that's only three weeks this year and then return to play sometime mid at worst late December and certainly playoffs, uh, assuming the Saints uh, continue and, and get there. Sure. And obviously last year, Teddy Bridgewater went five and zero in the six weeks that drew is out. We'll see about Jameis Winston this year. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, that, that's kind of where we're where we're at with this.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, and Taysom Hill is a a name in fantasy we're all interested in, to see how he factors in. But you're right, Winston came in last week, didn't look very good, but hasn't prepared at all to start in a game this season. So I don't don't think anybody could have those expectations. Now, uh, look, it really doesn't matter, I think, conceptually speaking, from a fantasy perspective, in a couple of weeks when the Bears suit back up and play again, but we saw Monday night a very scary scene for Nick Foles, and then unfortunately an all-too-familiar scene for Nick Foles, uh, but but I saw reports, uh, Dr. Chow uh, on Tuesday, that said that potentially he could come back in a couple of weeks, Mitch Trubisky, you know, we have to ask the question at least, what what is going on with Mitch Trubisky, because If they're down to Bray next week, Dr. Chow, I think I may want to play the other defense on the other
3: side. (laughs) Well, here's the deal. And, you know, look, uh, I don't have any inside information. It's just insider knowledge. And even though Foles was carted off with less than a minute to go in that game, before the game was over, we put up a post at profootballdoc.com saying that doubt that there would be anything, any fractures, doubt that there's anything serious, more of a contusion hip pointer type thing where he's hurt, not injured. I'm not saying he wasn't in a lot of pain. I'm just saying structurally, other than the swelling, he's not going to have anything wrong. And that's kind of what it's looking like. And with the bye... I was very confident that he will be okay to go. Now, the question is, this does give Coach Nagy an excuse. Well, Foles isn't 100%, so it makes me go to Trubisky. And he right. keeps his options open, right? Or he could i don't know what he's going to do. But we've said for a while at ProFootballTalk.com that Mitch Trubisky was not going to be a viable option from that shoulder subluxation injury until after the bye— And, well, next week is the bye, and then here comes week 12. So that's kind of where we're at. I think Trubisky is viable, so is Foles. In the end, it's going to be a coaching decision it'll be interesting to see how it's spun, you know, it's coaching decision, but well, maybe it's injury and you know, uh, whatever it is. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. And and for the bears, uh, we know what it is. It's, it's drafting a quarterback next year. They're going to have to do that or go to free agency. I think that that goes without saying not a decision for you and I, fortunately. Uh, Okay. Mm -hmm. Now over to the Falcons boy, I would have thought that the news would have been a little bit better on Calvin Ridley because anybody in that Atlanta offense, Dr. Chow is just excelling at the wide receiver position and Ridley, was genuinely a top-five wide receiver until his injury. The report that I saw on Monday basically said that—or on Tuesday said that he was basically running off to the side. And and what does that mean? Like, is that enough for him to get back on the field this week? I need to be optimistic on Ridley if I'm going to play him.
3: Well, from when he got injured, thought it was a mild midfoot sprain. And I thought after the bye, which was this last week, is the time that he would, might return— It's still early, right? It's still early week. You're right. If all he's doing is running off to the side on Friday, then you got to find someone else. But I think he's going to progress some, and hopefully. Obviously, midfoot sprains can linger, but in theory, his was mild based on video. So I still have my hopes on Ridley.
1: Now, now Ridley did get back at least early on the practice field this week. We're going to find out later today, on Wednesday, what the story is with Kenny Galladay, who didn't practice at all last week. Another player, uh, Dr. Chow, that if, if fantasy players get him back in their lineup, that would be a huge push to the playoffs. But does it seem like this is another out week for him?
3: Well, I think uh, this is probably the, the 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 target week, right? I mean, he wasn't put on injured reserve. He's missed a couple weeks. This is the target week that they were hoping to get him back. And, uh, you know, too early to tell right now. But I will say if he is back in there, I don't see how you don't play him based on the type of receiver that he is, the big body guy, etc., He's not relying necessarily on separation to get open all the time. So we'll just have to follow and see. But it's still uh, hopeful.
1: Now, Thursday night, let's focus in on that before we let you go. Thursday night, uh, look, Seattle, uh, Dr. Chow has started to go the other way a little bit. And maybe one of the theories on that is the fact that they're just running game has gone to almost nothing. They signed Alex Collins off the street. They've tried to use DJ Dallas, Travis Homer. We know that their most talented running backs are Chris Carson and Carlos Hyde. I feel like I've been asking you this for three weeks. Is this the week on Thursday that we're going to see them back? It would help. It would surely help them a lot.
3: I think it would help them a lot. Obviously, Alex Collins did reasonably well, but uh, Carlos Hyde is the guy that I would expect more likely than Chris Carson. And I don't really believe Chris Carson was truly a game time decision all those weeks. And so sometimes the team's optimism makes them look bad, right? I mean, they're. Fans are saying, why isn't he going? He's been game-time decision for three weeks. I I don't know that that's the case. Maybe Hyde, more dubious on Carson, hopefully both. But for that game, let me tell you, one big advantage to whoever is running the ball, Collins, Hyde, DJ Dallas, Travis Homer, is the Cardinals' uh, defensive line is quite banged up. Their Their front, they have eight linemen uh, overall on the roster, and five of them are now injured or injured reserve. So uh, that might be easier sledding for the Seahawks this week. No matter who is, uh, you know, doing that. Yeah.
1: yeah any other uh, key injuries, Doctor Chow? This week we saw Wentworth go down the left tackle for the Rams. I know that's going to be a big one. He's going to be out for the season. Is there any that I missed, basically, that you can touch on here?
3: Well, you know, I, you know, I still am dubious that. Uh, first of all, I think Gardner Minshew comes back this week. I mean, I think he could have played before, but Luton had, you know, the two-week e- experiment, and I think it's back to Gardner Minshew. I think I'm iffy on Teddy Bridgewater. Look, uh, playing, if I get Big Ben had a similar MCL in play, but Big Ben's been in the system, knows the system. Teddy Bridgewater probably needs to practice. He's still of his first year in the system. And look at how the Panthers have treated uh, Christian McCaffrey with kid gloves, holding him out until he's really ready, really ready to go. And look, Bridgewater and McCaffrey are their future, and if that's the way they treat McCaffrey, they probably will shell Bridgewater this week for a week or two. Hmm,
1: Interesting stuff. Well, you can follow Dr. Chow on Twitter at ProFootballDoc. And as he mentioned, he goes through not just the key injuries as far as your fantasy position, but the other positions on the field, the offensive line, the defensive line. Also listen to his podcast over at OutKick. Dr. Chow, great to catch up with you as always this week. Next week, we'll talk before the Thanksgiving games. Thanks again for coming on
3: the show. All right. Thanks, Craig.
1: All right, Dr. David Chow with us here on Fantasy Sports today. We'll be back with a whole lot more right here on SportsGrid, so make sure you stay on the grid. We'll be right back.
0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: Thursday night football Cardinals and Seahawks in a showdown of two teams with arguably the best, two of the best five offenses, I would say, no doubt in the NFL and yeah, potentially not great defenses, which could lead to a very high scoring game. FanDuel Sportsbook agrees as we take a look at the line here, Seattle is minus three. So essentially telling you there uh, there is no difference between these two teams and Seattle only minus three because they're at home, which is pretty much standard, even matchup between the two clubs. And the over-under in the game is around 57 and a half. I've seen some 57 as well. I suppose there is some thought that now with Drake back for Arizona and Hyde back for Seattle, that more of a running game can be established. Remember, these two teams essentially did not have any running game for the past month. So maybe that is the case and maybe it does go under. But I guess, Joe, initially let's touch on this. This is clearly a, a huge game for the NFL, a huge game in the NFC, big game in the NFC West as well. And, and I think that if Seattle is going to bounce back, it's probably going to have to be tonight. And it'll be really tough because Murray's playing fantastic. They were very fortunate to win last week, no doubt about that. Very lucky last play of the game week before. I thought they should have beat Miami, but they didn't play well down the stretch. So kind of hard to figure out a little bit who Arizona is, but this would be a big statement <laughs> if they were able to win. And conversely, if they lose, I think it pretty much shows that the Cardinals are a better team in 2020 than they were in 2019, but not in the category of being amongst the playoff teams or elite teams this year.
2: Well, I will say this. I think that if the Cardinals lose this game, they are still in it because they've split then with Seattle. I think winning that first game against Seattle is just really important here when the greater scheme of things. And I, and I think that, you know, the Rams and their inconsistencies, Seattle and their problems on defense right now, I mean, the Cardinals are in the driver's seat here and I think they recognize it. You know, you're catching them on a short week here. Uh, Seattle's defense has just been absolutely putrid. And I think that if you have an opportunity here to kind of put the nail in the coffin and really kind of jump forward and not even the MVP conversation, we could shelve that for a while. I'm just talking about where the Cardinals are in this division because San Fran I think has fallen by the wayside we can kind of dismiss them now at this point in the season they're really starting to feel like the Cardinals if they win really do go to the front of this division and there's two wins over Seattle become really important and they loom very large and look Seattle has had some issues lately uh, one of the issues they had is at the center position too because uh, they have had Pasek who had an injury and unfortunately, Ethan positive, excuse me, was unable to play last week. So fuller filled in for him. Now he has a high ankle sprain and positive still in concussion protocol. So there's a lot of questions there. And you know, center is a very important position for a quarterback. It's a lot sure. about rhythm. It's a lot about getting in, and And that's one of those intangible things. And I think if you go back and watch last week, I think you can kind of see how that sort of had an impact on the game and on Russell Wilson throughout that game. I also think that the Cardinals defensively, although they don't jump off the page to you, they are very opportunistic. They do have the nose for the big play, especially in that secondary. And the other thing is when you look at the DVOA, they're pretty much middle of the pack. So they can really be competitive here defensively. They have to come up with a big play here. And if Russell Wilson continues this trend of the turnovers, then my guess is they will. Now, this is also the last time these two teams locked up where Tyler Lockett had the 15 catches. So what they did is they put all their eggs in the basket of stopping DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett ran rough shot. Now, Tyler Lockett's not 100% too. So if you stick with that same theory potentially in this game, this could be a very difficult obstacle tonight here for the Seattle Seahawks. And, and I don't want to be hyperbolic because Russell Wilson is all world, but I do think if they're smart, they'll get back to running the football a little bit more. If Hyde is good enough to go, then they maybe give a little bit more handoffs. Let Russ cook, maybe a little less and let's run the football a little bit more and keep the defense off the field a little more and try to have some more time of possession because I think that's what's so dangerous too, is Kyler Murray, Deandre Hopkins. You know, uh, uh, Christian Kirk, these guys can score at a moment's notice with one big play, and that's really dangerous stuff right there. So you got to make sure that you're kind of minimizing the time the defense is out there with those guys because it's hard not to imagine Hopkins having a 100-yard game in this scenario against Seattle.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a good game for sure. Really close call uh, for me too, and I'm going to lean Seattle minus three. Uh, we're not picking this game in the super contest because if we this year in particular, if you pick a Thursday night game, you got to pick the rest. That's just the way that the super contest works. And I am just not willing to go down. Even though I do like Seattle, I'm not willing to go down that road of picking a game on Sunday, not knowing who's going to be in and out due to COVID. It's just a very difficult year for that. Probably eliminates, I would say, picking the Thanksgiving Day games, too, for next week, too, which which mm. really stinks to not have any action on those. But I would just lean Seattle here. I, I think that they do bounce back, but I don't. I don't feel strongly about it. I could see Arizona winning for sure too.
2: I think the over okay. is the best thing, don't you, Craig? I mean, so if you're going to pick one thing in this game, I feel uh, like the over might not be. Not necessarily. It, no? no, not no? necessarily. Okay.
1: No. I, no. I mean, again, if if the running game is established in this game, then you have less scoring. So I, I, I really. Yeah. When you have two teams same division playing against each other, it's coin flipping to me. It's when you get these big mismatches where it's one team traveling across the other side of the country or one team that hasn't seen each other. Or what what does one do? What does one team do well that the other doesn't? If I'm not mistaken, Seattle has like not beaten Arizona in Arizona for like ten years or something crazy like that. So I'm to to me, I'm just rooting for a good game tonight, and that's basically it. And uh, no bet involved with me tonight. But Seattle would be the only. Of all of the things, the options. I guess my my lean would be on on Seattle tonight, and and I haven't taken Seattle a lot this year, but I I, I think that them being at ho- home is a good spot. Arizona could be zero and two the last two weeks. I don't think people realize that. Like they lost to Miami, mm-hmm. and if and if Diggs touchdown makes Arizona zero and two the last two weeks going into mm-hmm. this game. So I, I just people just don't understand that, but it's okay. Uh, the good team, good team. Not great though for me. Kyler Murray, let's talk about Kyler Murray, who, who could throw for 400 yards or he could just rush for all of these yards. So, this is a tough one on the <laughs> FanDuel Sportsbook. 285 and a half. I suppose if you believe the over and if you believe Arizona, then certainly you're going to go over this one, Joe, right?
2: This is tough because Kyler's ability to run the football. So, you know, it, it depends on how they're going to match up with him. Now, look, if I do believe that DeAndre Hopkins is good for 100 this one, then. You got to find another 185, you know, another 85 and uh, change there for somebody else. So, I mean, this is kind of tough for me. So I'm going to lean towards the under, I think, a little bit here on this. I think Kyler Murray is going to take the ball into his own hands because that seems to be working. You do also have both running backs healthy uh, for this football team there with Edmonds and Kenyon Drake. So, look, I got to find an extra 185 somewhere. That's a lot. To find from the rest of these wide receivers. Larry Fitzgerald really hasn't done much in here. Uh Isabella is not much. Now Christian Kirk's been very good. So can you find another 185 right. between Christian Kirk and between Chase Edmonds? Uh, I think that's a little dicey. So I, I'm actually going, and they don't use the tight end either. So I'm actually gonna go under in this well, the one. The tight end got hurt, right? Uh yeah, but I mean, doesn't matter anyway, because even when they entered the nah, season, they not didn't use the tight end, they yeah, don't use the not. tight end, they're not that kind of team, but um this is a volume number, which makes this number so dangerous is because the volume of offense that they're able to produce and then theoretically against the Seattle Seahawks, that's why it's such a big number here. And and the number of plays that Arizona runs, I think that's why you're seeing the 285, but I don't think it's going to be off by much. That's why that's good numbers. That's why they're Vegas, that's but smooth. I would lean towards the yeah. under for me.
1: Probably the same. I think it's going to be very close. And and again, in order for this, this to go over, Murray's going to have to hit a 50 or a 60 yarder. And with him, that's not always a guarantee. Now, with Wilson to win, that is a guarantee. That's the way that they win games is that Wilson throws that rainbow pass and either David Mm -hmm. Moore or Lockett or Metcalf or Wayne ends up catching a long one. So I think win or lose, Wilson goes over. Even in a loss, I think that this is the way that they're going to have to win the game. I do agree with them trying to run the ball more with Hyde, and and I think that that does make sense. I don't know that Hyde's like a massive upgrade over Dallas. I, I mean, I don't think Dallas is great Collins. either, but or, or or Collins rushed for four yards of carry last week, so I, I just I don't, Seattle just doesn't commit to the run. I think they can run. I, they just don't want to run and I guess when you have Russell Wilson that you don't have to, but Maybe what they maybe the the last two weeks of seeing Wilson throw these interceptions in the end zone, maybe they will scale it back a little bit. But the comments Wilson made on Wednesday to the media were: I'm not. Not only am I not scaling back, I'm going even further in on what I'm doing. So I mean, I I don't know that anything is going to change. I'll I'll lean over here, three seventeen. My my lesson is is on, on these things is pretty simple. And this is no disrespect to anybody at Fanduel or anybody who makes lines. But this game is a very, what we would call, a public game. Everyone knows the players involved. Everyone knows the quarterbacks involved. Everyone knows the line. Everyone knows the teams. And it, it's really hard to get an edge when there's just a overabundance, I would say, of awareness in a game like this. Mm-hmm. That's not to say that the, the lines aren't made by the smartest people in the world, because they are. But when you're dealing with Denver and, and the Jets, like on a Thursday night, it's like, well, you know, you never know. Some guy could pop out of nowhere. You could pick a guy, a tight end, to go over his his total, maybe on a player prop. But you, you know all the players in, in these in these games. I don't think that there's a lot of uncertainty, especially with Hyde coming back now. You know who's running the ball too. So you you know every player on either side. You kind of know how many points the teams are going to score. And when it's a very public game like this and a really good game, I sit back and enjoy it. I just look the Super Bowl. Of course, you have to get involved in that. It's the it's the last game left. We're going through every prop, and there's there's. Definitely some advantages to that. But mm-hmm. for me, in a game like this, it's turn it on at eight o'clock and say, all right, live up to the billing of what <laughs> this game looks like. Because going into the game, I mean, to me, it's the best Thursday night game
2: of the year thus far, I think. Uh, going in, right, I, it, I don't know what it's got the biggest. It has to be for me. Well, it's got the biggest implications, too, because I think it's safe to say that if Seattle wins this game, they are right back in the, I guess, driver's seat of the, yeah, they're the for sure. If yeah, they lose, right. they are not. Oh, and I think big trouble. The oh they're in big they trouble. They're in big yeah. trouble. They're in serious trouble. And, and I don't know yet, and we're going to find out in a few hours. If the best thing for the Seattle Seahawks is this short week or the worst thing is this short week, because maybe you kind of shake off the loss because you didn't have enough time to think about it and you have enough time to stew about the things that didn't go right the last few weeks, the turnovers and all this other stuff, or maybe just maybe it's not enough time to prepare. And this is a huge game and you want some more time to get healthy and prepare. I don't know what the answer is. None of us do, but we're going to find out tonight.
1: Yeah, we'll see. I, I, I hope, hopefully, it will be a good game. I wouldn't mind it going down to the last play like Arizona did last week, and then another bomb to see if they can win or lose. I think that, that I mean, that's always fun when that happens in sports for sure. All right, coming up next, a little fantasy or reality is at the end of the line for Robinson Cano in New York. We'll tell you next.
0: SportsGrid.com, betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering, real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Before we hit fantasy or reality, a little breaking news here, ESPN reporting that all-star clay thompson of the golden state warriors who did get hurt at yesterday's practice that it's being reported that he does have a torn achilles which would sideline him wow for the entire 2020 2021 season so joe it would appear that drafting james wiseman they're going to need him a little bit more than they (sighs) thought they would have 24 hours ago but thompson probably i guess would be considered a top 15 player maybe in the nba top 20 player in the nba for sure Golden State, of course, had assembled three or four of those top ten players in the NBA, and and winning you know championship after championship. So uh, they were hoping to get Curry and Thompson back at full strength, and now they're only going to have Curry.
2: Yeah, well, look, this puts a little bit more pressure and uh, pressure, excuse me, on uh, Weisman to kind of develop quickly <laughs> at the NBA level, uh, you would imagine. And uh, certainly there's a lot of expectation there that he can. But um, it's tough here for Golden State Warriors. You know, you, you hate to ever see uh, star players of any sport go down with an injury. You don't want to see any player ever go down with an injury. But right now it's starting to feel kind of like a tricky situation here in a slippery slope of this dynasty that was so good for so many years here at Golden State. You start to wonder, Okay. The same pieces aren't there last year. We know with the injury to Steph Curry, where things were. Now we have an injury to Klay Thompson starting to feel like maybe that window is starting to close a little bit and I don't want to be doom and gloom, but it's certainly getting more difficult by the hour whenever you have these kinds of situations come up. So, um, look, we hope a speedy recovery for Klay Thompson. There's no doubt about that. And, uh, obviously I think the, uh, work is cut out for golden state here in the 2021 season.
1: Yeah, unless Wiseman is a superstar, and then that would completely change everything for them. But they're lucky for them, then they have him, and that's maybe the reason why they took him and not the LaMelo, LaMelo Ball. But uh, we'll find mm-hmm. out when the season opens up on the 22nd of December, one month away, ironically. Okay. All right, let's get started. Fantasy or reality? We'll start with Robinson Cano of the New York Mets, who was suspended for the full year after testing positive for a second time for performance-enhancing drugs. Joe, Robinson Cano... Has played his last game for the Mets. Fantasy or reality?
2: Fantasy. I mean, I'd like it to be reality, but it's fantasy. You really think that he's going to not come back in the next two years and collect that paycheck? I know I would. I mean, why wouldn't he? Unless he gets popped again for PEDs, which I guess is possible, but... I mean look he, here's a tricky situation here because robinson cano has guaranteed money coming at him right now for the next couple of years after this 2021 season right so the mets are in a rocking hard place what are they going to do they're not going to find anybody else to take him no one's going to take robinson cano after two failed tests with all that money left as an aging basically dh at this stage in his career that's basically what he is so no one's going to take his salary take the player take the age take the baggage take all those things all they're going to do is have to sit there and eat this for the next couple of years because that's what the Mets have to do. The way they continuously go ahead and, you know, eat the Bobby Bonilla salary for the last 30 years. That's what we're going to do here at Robin Zucano. We're going to eat this too. There's no way out. Sorry, you're stuck. It's a horror movie. And uh, the horror movie is you're stuck with Robin and and he's calling from inside the house. So he's not going anywhere. Sorry. Craig? Scream four? Scream five? I'm, I'm going to say reality right now.
1: <laughs> I think it's reality. I think you know it's done. I think it's over. How? I, I How's think the, out? Yeah. Tell me. the the out is is that the Mets pay him to go away. I think the Mets pay him to go away. And and look, if Steve Cohen has as much money as everyone says he does, then th- that would not be a concern. He's going to miss a full year this year. He basically did not play in, in 2020, more or less. He only played 60 games. I, I think that he needs a change of scenery. Maybe he goes back to Seattle. The Mets say, hey, look, we'll – you know, we'll we'll give you eighteen million of the twenty four, and and you just take them and pay the rest. I, I don't think he plays another game for the New York Mets. I just don't. I think it'd be, it would I, be I, again. I don't. I don't know how they'll handle him, but I could tell you that from a PR standpoint, this guy has like literally a day to come out and apologize for this, and or it's going to get really, really bad for again? him in New
2: York. I mean, apologize again. Like how many times? Got to do it. Just disappear, a parent, right? How many times when your kid, you know, gets caught with his hand in the cookie jar, you scold him the first time and they get, you know, it's like, okay, you don't do this. I'm sorry. And they go back, what well, didn't I just say not to do that? Didn't I just tell you not to oh, I'm sorry. You're not sorry. You're not sorry. He's not sorry. I don't need any fake apologies. And I hope you're right. Because if that's the case and this is the kind of guy we're dealing with, New York Met fans are gonna love. Steve Cohen they're going to put a statue of him in front of city Field. That's what's coming here for Steve Cohen. And then know the next thing you should do, you should go to Bobby Bonilla and write him a check. That way every summer we don't have to hear Happy Bobby Bonilla Day Mets fans because let me tell you, that grates on you after a long time too. Pay off all these things, get out of this bad mojo debt that you're in, and if Steve Cohen has the cash to do that, I'm telling you right now Mets fans are going to build a statue and right, right as soon as you get off the platform for the subway, there's the Steve Cohen statue, and everyone's going to walk in and rub its head for good luck.
1: Yeah, I do. I, I think he's done. My prediction there. Okay, fantasy or reality, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air is having a reunion, and it seems to be all over social media. Some of the interesting discussions about James Avery, who passed away last year. And about the original cast member who played his mother and then left the show, and then they brought in somebody else. They had their reunion. They had their discussion. Uh, I have not seen it yet, so I think it's worth asking fantasy reality, Joe. Statement, you will watch the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air reunion over on HBO Max. This is where that they have placed it. HBO Max, fantasy reality.
2: It's fantasy. I'm not going to watch it right now. I don't have HBO Max. Now, that could change because I just heard today that uh, Wonder Woman 1984 is going to be released on HBO Max. And if that's the case on Christmas, well, Merry Christmas to me. In which case, then I might have to turn around and change my tune about HBO Max if that is indeed coming down the pipe in just a, a few weeks here. Because God knows I'm not going to miss Gal Gadot in Wonder Woman 1984, and no one should. However, know I that. don't think I'm going to doing this. I, and you know what? I love Fresh Prince and Belair. I was a big fan of the show. My kids this past summer actually got into it. They were doing reruns on, on VH1, and when they would wake up, that's kind of what was on. So we started watching it, and they thought Carlton was hilarious, and, and Will was hilarious. And you see a young Don Cheadle in the first season, and you see some great mm-hmm. young actors kind of get their start. You also forget how many great serious moments they did on this show too james Avery was a wonderful actor classically trained shakespearean actor uh one of the great uh you know versatile guys too. the voice of the shredder on teenage mutant ninja turtles a lot of people forget that or don't know that uh but you know what like for me i I don't think i'll watch the reunion show i'm not big on the reunion things i did that one reunion thing for the princess bride i did it we sat down with kids and i we watched it it wasn't as good as it could have been it was okay uh, they had technical difficulties throughout, which is like, oh, this is really kind of crappy. But I am happy because I did read that old Aunt Viv, original OG Aunt Viv, sat down with Will right. Smith and they ironed out their differences. Because I know, probably like you, I have lost sleep about that for the last 25 plus years.
1: I've thought about it every day. Yeah, definitely. Every day. I, I will say every reality. Day. I'll end up watching this at some point. Really? And, and okay. I'll, yeah, I'll be curious to to check it out and see. I mean, there there may be a day during the holidays where not a lot is on and I'll remember that this exists and check it out. But the YouTube clips seem pretty cool. So yeah, I was a fan of the show. I'll check it out.
2: Reality. Yeah, it's hard without James Avery for me. That That's, that's the, you know, no Uncle Phil. It's, it's, I mean, what do you do? I mean... Okay, yeah,
1: the Friends reunion is, by the way, on for March, but I don't know if you're interested in that oh. no, that,
2: that. that I'll watch. I'll watch the Friends reunion, especially because we we've been watching all of the seasons of Friends. We're into season eight now. The kids and I started in the summer because they finished Big Bang Theory, so they needed a new sitcom to watch. So they've moved on to Friends, so I don't think I'm going to get out of that one. They're definitely in for that, so it means I am if they are.
1: All right, so there you go. Now, uh, also coming to HBO Max very soon is Conan O'Brien. Yes, a double HBO Max discussion here on the show. Uh, Conan (laughs) O'Brien yesterday with the announcement that June is the end of the line for him being a late-night host. He's going to move over to some streaming platforms, do some different kind of shows. And and look, Conan O'Brien has had a very long and, and successful career, first, of course, over at NBC, and then moving on right now to TBS. And it does beg the question in terms of late night hosts about Conan O'Brien and how he will be remembered for hosting late night and the shows that he's been on. Fantasy reality, Joe, Conan O'Brien is a top five all time late night host. Is that fantasy Mm. or reality? We know that we know who the top two are universally. But then after that, I think that you can have a fair discussion.
2: Well, it depends on who you ask who the top two are. I mean, I'm a Carson and Letterman guy. I'm not a big fan of Well, there you go. Move on
1: from there. I don't think anyone is going to argue that.
2: Okay. Because some people like Jay Leno and they'll put him in that. Jay Jay Leno,
1: some people do, but I think most people would feel Carson and Letterman are are probably one and two with Jay Leno being
2: third. Okay. Yeah. I want to make sure it's like the the
1: Camara, uh, Henry, and and uh McCaffrey conversation <laughs> like those three are definitely in the mix
2: okay all right uh, so I guess Conan O'Brien's the Dalvin Cook maybe I, I here's the thing this I is. love Conan O'Brien's humor and I was a big fan of him in college you know when I could stay up a lot later I used to catch his later show all the time I would always be mm-hmm. watching Conan before I went to bed so this is kind of like my target generation guy because of the kind of humor he did and what a prolific career a guy who wrote for SNL uh Conan O'Brien Fantastic. also was one of the guys who wrote for the simpsons in those great earlier episodes too so I think he got the raw end of the stick here I really do man it was really unfair what they did to him they made his entire team leave from Los Angeles uh, leave from New York go to Los Angeles Jay Leno decides he wants to do the show again I think that was terrible what happened there he did not support that transition the way he should have and good on Jimmy Fallon because they asked him to do the same thing he said no no I'm not moving I'm not telling all my staff and all their families to pick up and move to Los Angeles what if you get rid of me in a couple of years were uh, a couple of months as they did with conan i think he is for me one of the top five guys okay i think he was great at what he did i love the sketches he did i love the characters he did i used to love in the year 2000 i thought that was great andy richter and him yeah, were always fun and then he moved over to tbs and he's had this weird evolution of the show ever since but he just seems like one of the best guys like he seems like the kind of guy that you want to sit down and have dinner with and and you know you'd leave and have a really good time so for me it is reality. He is a top five for me because like I said, in my college years, the way some people, you know, older than me watched Letterman when he was on that later show, I watched Conan for a couple of years and and I always enjoyed him. And I really think that, uh, he made the best of a really tough situation. I give him a lot of credit for sticking around as long as he has in television too, because that is not easy. By the way, I heard we're moving to HBO max too. fancy sports right? today, we're going over there. Uh, yeah. Apparently, January we're going to 1st. HBO Min,
1: yeah. HBO Min, minimum. Yeah, we're, we're, the, HBO. we're the other one. Right.
2: Yeah, yeah. We have to pay you to subscribe. That's exactly
1: how that right. Yeah, we we pay you for a subscription. It's it's like a Patreon <laughs> thing. We pay you.
2: Please watch us. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going
1: to say that Conan O'Brien right now is a top five all time late night host. I will say that in 10 years from now, he probably will not be. That, that would be my guess. I, I yeah. think that as it stands, and we're doing it now. Uh, the top three names that you mentioned, for sure, Letterman and Carson, depending on how you look at it, and Jay Leno maybe is the third, and I think that I would probably put Leno third. Uh, then there's no doubt Conan O'Brien is amongst the other two, but the names are coming fast and furious. I think Jimmy Kimmel is going to move ahead of him. I think Jimmy Fallon is going to end up moving ahead of him. Uh, just for longevity purposes and success purposes, I just I get that feeling that that's going to happen. Let's also not forget how successful Jon Stewart was on the was air on uh, on I've Comedy Central. It. He's top and, five for
2: me too. That's another guy. Yeah,
1: so he's got to be in that conversation. So I think that Conan's right there all time. But I, I feel like we could be having a different different conversation in five, Probably ten right. years from now. I know Seth Myers is on. I don't. It's very late at night for me, so I don't see a lot of Seth Myers. Uh, but again, that's that's where I stand with it. So reality for me, also yes, right now. If we're asking this question in five years, ten years, I think we're going to say no.
2: Mm, yeah, I, I, think that's probably fair. I, I do. And I yeah. think the, the three guys right We're in there. No, he's not in that top five. But I, I do I think know. the guys that are doing it right now, Colbert and Fallon and Kimmel, do a fantastic job. Right. They really do all three of them. Yeah.
1: All right. Sports Grid 60 is next. And then we say so long for this Thursday. Don't forget, Super Contest leans on the show with Howard Bender tomorrow. We'll be right back on Fantasy Sports today. Stay on the grid. And just a quick program reminder for those of you who watch our show here on SportsGrid on Fantasy Sports today. Joe and I, of course, will be right back here tomorrow for our edition of the show. Jim Sanis will be part of the program. We'll talk some DFS with him. Also, Howard Bender, our picks for the Westgate Super Contest. But next week here on the show, Joe and I will be here Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. But on Thursday of next week, of course, it is Thanksgiving. We have an NFL-centric show for you then. And also, we will be off on Friday. So those of you who are watching our show live or you're watching on demand and you plug us in every single week, just a quick heads up, every once in a while, we get a day off. And that's coming next week. Joe, Sports Grid 60, what you got here to end the
2: show? And you can also watch us on HBO Min. So, Major League Baseball, (laughs) if you are really, really, really deep down, want to get rid of PDs in the game, here's what you do. Your first offense is 162 games. The second is we void your contract. Now, look, there's a CBA coming up. So if the players really want to get it out of the game and really want to level playing field and the owners really want to make sure that they're protecting their investments too on all fronts, this is what you do. You've had this system now for a while. And guess what? Every year, you keep getting guys who get popped for PEDs. So clearly, it's working better but it's not an absolute, and it may never be an absolute, but it could certainly be a little bit better because every year I look up and somebody's getting popped. If it's Marte, if it's Polanco, if it's Cano, it's always somebody who is missing significant time with the suspension for PED. So Major League Baseball, maybe if you start voiding contracts after the second test, maybe that will get everybody's attention.
1: And I think that for me, as we end the show today, the one thing that I want to focus on is retread coaches in the NFL. And look, we've seen it a number of times from the New England Patriots. Their their coaches have gone on to be head coaches in the NFL not successful. We're seeing it all over the league. Like what what is to stop some of these NFL teams from taking a chance and hiring college coaches again? I know historically they did not succeed. But with the amount of offensive innovation there is going on in college right now at places like Clemson and LSU and even Alabama, why not dip into that coaching pool like Carolina did and find the next great coach in the NFL? It doesn't have to come within that fraternity of the league. Maybe that's the way to go. That'll do it for the show. Thanks to everybody at LTN. For Danny and Brett, my co-host Joe Pizzi P, I'm Craig Mish. See you tomorrow.